This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about diabetes mellitus and what you need to know. We'll be right back after these messages. My cat, Lily, loves to sleep on my head in the middle of the night and then run around chasing imaginary mice. And you know what? That's all stuff that I can deal with. What I can't deal with is a smelly, stinky litter box. So I use Arm & Hammer Clump & Seal. It clumps tight around odor and destroys it for a seven-day, odor-free home, guaranteed. That way, Lily isn't bringing home any stink into my house and not near my head in the bed. Because an odor-free home is a happy home. Arm & Hammer, more power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Really excited to have board-certified internal medicine veterinary specialist, Dr. Nissa Ryan. She's an internal medicine consultant at Merck Animal Health. Dr. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me, Justine. If you don't mind just giving us a little bit of background about who you are and what you do, where you trained, sure, that'd be fantastic. Sure. Great. So I uh, went to veterinary school at the University of Florida. And then after that, I came back north and did an internship at the Animal Medical Center in New York City, and then completed a residency in small animal internal medicine, after which I then stayed on as a staff veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center uh, for about 18 years. And then uh, life threw me a little bit of a curveball, and my son was diagnosed uh, with type 1 diabetes. So I decided to step away from veterinary practice. Ironically, the entire time that I was at the Animal Medical Center, I was a practicing veterinary endocrinologist advising owners in how to treat their own pets with diabetes. And I was very fortunate to come to Merck Animal Health at the time that they were launching a veterinary insulin. And I currently advise veterinarians on how to treat diabetes in dogs and cats. Thank you so much. You know, it's obviously a passion of yours in terms of educating pet owners on this. And that's why I wanted to reach out because I often feel like pet owners and veterinary professionals are so confused when it comes to diabetes. So first of all, can you just explain what diabetes is? People often assume it just means too much sugar, but can you just briefly explain when people say diabetes, what's type one versus type two? Sure, sure, sure. So the type 1 and type 2 terminology are actually borrowed from human medicine, where a type 1 diabetic is a person who cannot make their own insulin, and then they need to be treated with insulin injections, whereas a person with type 2 diabetes retains the ability to make insulin, but for some reason it doesn't work well 
in their bodies. For our patients, uh, we use this terminology, but it's not exactly the same. Diabetes in dogs most closely resembles type 1 diabetes in people in that, like their human counterparts, dogs with with diabetes have what's called immune-mediated destruction of their pancreas, meaning some factor in their body destroys their pancreas cells, making them no longer able to make their own insulin, and they become dependent on exogenous or insulin that we administer to them. Cats have a form of diabetes that more closely resembles type 2 diabetes in people in that they too retain the ability to make insulin, but for some reason, some factor in their body makes it not work so well. Of course, being cats, their diabetes is less linearly related to the human counterpart, and they, because people who have type 2 diabetes can frequently be treated with oral medicines and dietary modifications, but cats more typically do require insulin therapy in addition to diet change. When dogs become diabetic, they are diabetic for life. And that's not only are they diabetic for life, but uh, people will frequently ask whether or not they can give their dog a pill for diabetes. And because I think we, we see a lot of information about pills and things for diabetes on television, and it does seem like a very appealing option compared to injections. But unfortunately, because dogs are not able to make insulin on their own, and many of those medications depend on you being able to make your own insulin, pills are not an option for dogs, and they do have to have injections lifelong. Really important because a lot of people think, oh, I just have to give this medication. It'll be easy. And after two weeks, it's going to be cured. But this is a lifelong problem that we need to treat. So when it comes to cats, we know that they can be transiently diabetic. And you mentioned nutrition. Now, when it comes to cats, what are potential treatment options for diabetes? Typically, when a cat is diagnosed with diabetes, it takes we take a two-pronged approach. The first is we approach dietary modification. Over the recent years, we have learned that since cats are somewhat like their ancestors and that they were innately carnivorous, they do not handle or process carbohydrates as well as an herbivore. So their livers are not set up to handle the the high fiber, high carbohydrate diets that we give them as dry food. So frequently, if we switch them to a higher protein diet where they get about 10% protein as they're in their diet, we can actually make it so that their liver and pancreas will function better and they will regain the ability to make insulin properly and have it work. The second prong of that therapy is typically also insulin injections because we need to give them insulin until the diet is hopefully able to reverse the pancreatic dysfunction. For most cats, however, they will typically need to be on a diet and insulin forever. But for several cats or or many cats, we can get to a point where they achieve what we call a remission. And we choose the word remission because the cats will no longer need insulin for that time period, but there is the potential for them to revert back to requiring insulin again. I've had several patients who have gone in and out of remission several times, and they lived many, many years, you know, going between the two states of being, and they lived very happy lives. So when it comes to 
diabetes mellitus. It means mm -hmm. that the body is not producing enough insulin. So the pancreas, the organ that normally produces it, isn't making enough insulin. And as a result, we as pet owners have to give it as an injection, typically twice a day, in order to provide that insulin. I always say whoever invents insulin that works by another means like orally will become a billionaire <laughs> but as of right now yeah it's only available uh, and it only works when you give it under the skin so if you have a cat owner or a dog owner and they're newly diagnosed first mm -hmm. of all what are the signs that a pet owner would even look mm -hmm. for to see if their dog or cat has diabetes probably the most common signs that we'll we'll see are drinking and urinating excessively. You know, a cat owner will notice that every time they go to change the litter box, the pan is full of urine or there's a lot more clumps than there used to be. Or they'll just notice that, you know, for me, when I had a cat, I never saw the cat drink. So they might just actually notice that they're actually seeing the cat drink a lot. Dogs will sometimes seek other water sources that they, you know, if they don't have enough water in their water bowl. But another telltale sign that they may see is that the pet will become more hungry than it used to be. And despite feeding it constantly, they'll frequently lose weight despite that. Some less common signs they may see is some owners will only first recognize if their dog's eyes start getting cloudy because dogs, about 80% of dogs with diabetes will get cataracts. So that might be the first time they see. And some other things that they might see less commonly in cats is they can develop an abnormal posture where they walk on sort of the back of their feet instead of on their, just on the soles of their feet. Uh, it's called a diabetic neuropathy, but definitely drinking, urinating excessively and excessive hungry are sort of the most classic signs we see. Especially as an ER vet, the sooner you notice these clinical signs, the sooner you wanna to get to your family general practitioner. What I end up seeing in the ER vet is diabetoketoacidosis, which is a diabetic complication and oftentimes it's the first time that the owner's even hearing that their dog or cat is diabetic. So please be aware with most diseases, the sooner you notice those clinical signs of excessive thirst, of excessive urination, of really dilute urine, acting hungry or losing weight, losing muscle mass, please get to a vet because it's a really simple blood test that we can do to look to see if your pet has diabetes. It's usually a complete blood count and a chemistry panel. And again, we're specifically looking at the blood sugar. We're looking at a urine test to see if there's too much sugar within the actual urine itself. So again, try to avoid the ER vet and help get your pet treated sooner than later. Now, Dr. Vine, what happens, could you mind just explaining what can happen if a dog or cat goes without insulin and ends up developing this quote, diabetic ketoacidosis or DKA state, what exactly happens to their body and how is it damaging? Certainly, certainly. So when the patients develop diabetic ketoacidosis, uh, it is frequently a sign that not only is their diabetes present, but there is something else in the body that's making the body make too many ketones. And ketones in and of themselves can cause a series of signs like vomiting and not feeling well. And then these patients will develop dehydration and then it sort of snowballs to a point where they develop a condition called metabolic acidosis, which can 
further damage the body. And if we don't intervene quickly, you know, more serious long-term problems like acute kidney disease and such things can develop. Now, the treatment of diabetic ketoacidosis is frequently directed at first, our first goal is sort of immediate life-saving measures to normalize the hydration status of the patient. And then we also want to correct any electrolytes or acid-base abnormalities that are present. And then our goal would be to start shifting toward getting rid of the ketones and treating the diabetes. As an emergency critical care specialist, most diabetic complications from DKA can typically cost $5,000. Oftentimes they're in the hospital for three to five nights. So again, really important. Not only is it safer for your dog and cat to be treated earlier, but we really want to avoid that DKA complication where the body starts breaking down fat for energy just because it doesn't have enough insulin. So say your pet was just diagnosed. We recognize the signs of excessive thirst, of excessive urination. We get to the veterinarian and we have it confirmed on blood tests. How exactly do I give the insulin? Do you mind just giving us a couple of tips on what do I feed? How do I give the insulin? What's the best way to store the insulin? Sure, sure, sure. So as far as how to give the insulin, uh, all of the insulin products we have available now are given by subcutaneous or under the skin injection. And it's typically recommended that those injections be given under the skin, either to either side of the midline of the patient, in front of the shoulders to in front of the hips, anywhere along that body, rotating the sites every time you give it. And most commonly, patients will be getting this insulin twice daily, although there are some options for dogs that may work once daily. As far as nutrition goes, uh, there's sort of the approach is slightly different when it comes to a dog and a cat. For dogs, since they are typically most like type 1 diabetics in people, we tend to try to focus a little bit more on making sure that dog eats consistent volume and type of food at a consistent time since the insulin we're giving is in response to that meal. Whereas for cats, as I alluded, we spoke about earlier, we're going to actually feed them a different diet, which most frequently will involve some form of canned food due to its altered protein content that most closely resembles, like we talked about, the ancestral diet of the cat. All right. And then are there any particular brands of cat food that mm-hmm. we can feed that may be higher in protein? Oh, definitely. I mean, there there are specific prescription diets that are formulated for cats that have diabetes, and probably those would be ideal to treat. Those, those frequently cost a bit more than an over-the-counter canned food. There are many, many over-the-counter, too numerous to even name a few, over-the-counter diets that would be acceptable for a cat with diabetes. Although you should speak with your veterinarian as they have resources to figure out, because it may be that the even the canned version of the food that you know your cat likes, they just need to do a little research to make sure that the carbohydrate content within that particular diet is appropriate for a diabetic cat. But there's lots and lots of choices and lots of flavors. So cats who like to be fed different things, uh, there's plenty of options available. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a diet that costs a lot of money. Thank you. We'll continue with this really important topic about diabetes right after these messages from our sponsors. 
I have two dogs, Sam and Bailey. Both are golden retrievers. Poor Sam, he was a mess. Always itching. His paws were soaking wet all day from just constant licking. He had bald spots on his back. I just don't like putting shots and steroids into your dog all the time. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is nutrition. Probably two weeks after he started Dynavite, I started seeing great improvements. And today, 99% of his issues are non-existent. It's amazing stuff. Since Bailey has been 12 weeks old, he's been a Dynavite dog. And he has zero issues today. He won't eat his food without Dynavite. When I get out the Dynavite, my dogs actually salivate. Like I'm getting them a treat. They drool over it. Dynavite is the best thing you can do for your dog. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. We've been talking about diabetes mellitus. No, it's not a death sentence if your dog or cat was just diagnosed with it. It's totally treatable with insulin and nutritional support, but it does require long-term management and frequent rechecks with the vet. So right now, we've been interviewing Dr. Nissa Ryan, who's an internal medicine specialist about diabetes. Now, Dr. Ryan, how often do I have to recheck at the vet? And do I actually have to buy one of those blood sugar checkers to do that Mm -hmm. at home? Mm Mm-hmm. First, to address uh, how frequently you'll need to follow up. In the beginning of treatment, it is most likely that your veterinarian is going to recommend probably weekly or every other week rechecks until your dog or cat gets to a point where they're comfortable that the regulation is heading in the right direction. As things improve, you'll probably be able to switch to monthly and then every three months, depending on, on how things proceed. I would say that it is really important to highlight that the regulation of diabetes is a very dynamic process and it requires a great deal of patience and over time things should improve and your pet will get to a point where they can live a very happy new normal life with the insulin treatment. Now, the last few questions that I had, what type of insulin should we be using? Can we buy it from a regular veterinarian or from a pharmacy? And what the heck is up with all these different types of insulin syringes? <laughs> if you could just explain the <laughs> sure, difference. Sure. Because I've seen some accidents when people use or pick up the Definitely. wrong type of syringe from their pharmacy. Yes. Yes. So we're going to have to get a little technical in some of the terminology here. But there are insulins that are manufactured for use in animals. And there are insulins that are used for, are manufactured to be used for people. And typically, the products that are manufactured for use in animals are what we call U40 insulins. This means that in every milliliter of insulin, there are 40 units of insulin. And this is, whereas with the U100 insulin for people, there are 100 units per every milliliter of insulin. And this is because our patients tend to get smaller insulin doses. So having a less concentrated product physically makes it a little easier to see the insulin when you draw it up in a syringe. 
Each type of insulin, the U40 and the U100, has a specific insulin syringe designed to use with those specific products. And it's really important that you make sure that you use a U40 insulin syringe with U40 insulin and a U100 syringe with U100 insulin. Because if you accidentally use a U100 syringe uh, for a U40 insulin, you're actually going to give your dog or cat two and a half times less insulin than you're supposed to be giving, which will lead to dysregulation, meaning reversion of the original clinical signs that you saw. If you do the reverse, meaning administer a U100 insulin using a U40 syringe, you will actually overdose your dog or cat by two and a half times, which can lead to some to serious hypoglycemia. So it's very important to pay attention to the syringes that you get. Typically, U40 syringes have red caps and U100 syringes have orange caps. But if when you go to pick up syringes from your veterinarian, they look different than the previous syringes that you got, make sure you ask and check and make sure you have the right syringes. Typically, human pharmacies do not stock U40 syringes, so you're going to need to get those from your veterinarian. Again, I see a lot of cases coming in because the pharmacy decided to give them a different type of U100 syringe. And this can be very, very confusing. So when in doubt, please always check with your veterinarian about this. Dr. Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to explain diabetes to us. Again, really important that we know there's a growing prevalence of it, and it's probably because some of our pets are getting more overweight. So please work with your veterinarian in being able to help treat diabetes in your dog or cat. Dr. Ryan, for more information, where can pet owners go to? There's lots of online websites. There's caninediabetes.org, felinediabetes.org. Merck Animal Health has a vetsland.com. But probably really the best resource that you can have is your veterinarian because they have the knowledge of you, your pet, and diabetes in order to help you best regulate your dog and cat. Wonderful. Dr. Ryan, thank you again so much. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me any pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, but we want to thank Dr. Nissa Ryan, our guest, and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. 